0: welcome to another episode of Ordinary Old Catholic Me. I have promised in past episodes that I will be doing more interviews and I definitely intend to. I actually have some people who I am talking to and on deck but given that COVID-19 in Los Angeles is still a big issue and perhaps in other places in the United States And though I can maintain a six-foot distance between myself and any guest, as I did in two cases, I still have a little bit of nervousness about inviting people here at my location, at my little apartment in California. And they, those potentials for interviews, a few of them have some concern about going anywhere live and in person. So one of the things I'm exploring as someone who is still new to the podcast world is doing, quote, remote interviews. And I have explored several types of ways of doing it. And of course, because as I have said, I am not technological. I'm just enough to get by. I am surprised given my age, if you will that i have any ability in doing some of this and i'm actually i have to admit quite proud of myself that i've been able to even create this little studio in my library in my dining room i'm actually tonight going to have a friend work with me on one of the possible ways using zoom and then somehow getting the zoom recording not video since this is an audio program so far and probably for a long time in that the idea of having to wear makeup to be on the video will be a little struggling for me so maybe maybe not we'll see how that goes anyway so tonight i'm going to do a test with a friend and see how it works doing a recording with him and then putting it onto my computer and see how the quality is now in an effort to expand the reach so that people will be listening to this program and hopefully enjoying it. I have put a page on Facebook called Ordinary Old Catholic Me, where I also hope to put articles related to Catholicism and other Christianity aspects and invite comments, likes, following, if you will. But mostly, I hope that you'll come to this site, which is on podbean.com under Ordinary Old Catholic Me. And also you can find it on TuneIn, Spotify. I want to say Pandora, but I'm not 100% sure. And I'm trying to find other platforms on which to put it so that it's as easily accessible as possible. As I've said, if you like the podcast, I would love it if you would follow me and make comments also on the podcast site. Make suggestions about subjects, particularly if it's something that you as an ordinary Catholic or aspiring Catholic want to kind of wrestle with or have me wrestle with. Probably I have wrestled with it. I guarantee you I have. Not out of pride, but just because I wrestle with everything. I had several subjects in mind for today, but it's going to be something that sort of came my way through one of my listeners and friends and touched on something that I often cannot articulate to myself in terms of my relationship with my Catholicism and my inner spiritual life. It also introduced me to a writer an Irish writer from Cork, Waterford, Ireland who passed away at the very young age of 39 in 1995 named Sean Dunn. Mostly it seems he was a poet but he also did some prose and he wrote a spiritual biography called The Road to Silence which naturally I'm going to get on to a bookstore or Amazon and get. It's apparently quite a small volume. He was a Catholic, but it sounds as if he was a bit uh, peripatetic, fitful in his Catholicism. I'll know more when I read the autobiography. There wasn't as much as I was rather expecting when I Googled him, so I think the best way to get to know him will be to read his spiritual biography and his poetry. What was sent to me was one of his short, short stories which is only about three pages long and it's called Finding My Religion. He apparently lived in Paris for some time, from his 20s to his 30s, in search of becoming a writer, as so many people do, artists and writers and all sorts of things magical, because Paris has always had the aura of art, music, writing, and romance, of course. So, When he's in his 30s, I suppose approaching middle age, something changes, and the aura, the glow, somehow dissipates a bit, or fades a bit, or he finds that it's not enough. I really resonated with his sense of awe at this place that he was first living, maybe even a sense of possibility in terms of his life as a writer, because that's rather what I felt about the perhaps less romantic city of Los Angeles when I first saw it and when I first moved here. I was struck probably first by the weather and the sense of the crispness and color. Everything was colorful. The streets, the sky, the trees, the palm trees. I felt I was in this bright painting. Whereas New York, where I had lived for many years, I wasn't quite 30 yet, was drab and gray and depressing. This was the early 1980s, and New York had been going through quite of its own depression. I worked in Manhattan, uh, right near Grand Central Station, and I didn't really drive. I kind of learned to drive, but I didn't really drive. And one didn't take a car into Manhattan unless one was insane. And so I took the express bus from the Bronx, where I lived, into Manhattan and the place that I worked in the, I think it was called the Lincoln Building. I can almost pinpoint the moment as we were leaving the bus stop in the Bronx and we were going to the Major Deegan Expressway and I was looking at the gray brick of all the apartments, the tenements and the often broken windows of the buildings that lined the freeway that were covered with pictures, if you will, of planters. So they weren't real. They were just pictures to make it look a little less horrible. I had visited Los Angeles, and the thought I had was I have to get out of here. Though I was a lawyer, I had visions of entertainment, creativity, and intended to go in that direction if possible, and though I'm not really impulsive by nature and had been thinking about this for a long time, that is, to move to California if possible, I made the decision finally, very quickly, almost impulsively. I see it as one of the few times in my life, maybe the only time in my life, that I was impulsive over a life-changing decision, having not yet read Sean Dunn's spiritual autobiography. I don't know whether at the time he went to Paris, he was an active Catholic, but when I came to Los Angeles, I was not an active Catholic, but I had been thinking about that as well and about returning to the church. About two years into my sojourn here in Los Angeles, I returned to my roots to re-explore myself as a Catholic. Overall, the two explorations, moving to California and returning to Catholicism, were a success. I did not end up in the entertainment industry. I did fall back on my license as a lawyer and uh, became one in California working in public service when I discovered how much I did not like private practice. But as with Sean Dunn, living in Paris, I discovered that Los Angeles was losing its glow for me and continues to do so today. I suppose I looked at Los Angeles through rose-colored glasses, as the cliche goes, and with the ambition of youth, with all sorts of possibility, despite my nature, which tends to be a little bit cynical and pessimistic, it was fresh. It was like being in another planet. It was so different from the life I had led until I was 27. But it became crowded, dirty. The crispness and the color just seems to have disappeared. And I'm older now, so things change. I've changed. What did Sean Dunn do when Paris developed that sort of banality to him? He went to Saint-Gervais and to a church, a Catholic church, that was run by an order, a monastic order, called Les Fraternités Monastiques de Jerusalem. The Mass, which it sounds like was very dramatic in the ritual, really caught him, swept him away. As I read the short story, it sounds as if it energized him and re-energized his feelings about Paris itself. One of the struggles it seems he had, and obviously I'm interpreting from my own reading, is that he kept his real life world separate from his spiritual or his inner life or felt that he should. Maybe there was a kind of wall between the two, but going to mass, and sitting at Saint-Gervais did something for him. It brought his life, his daily life, his things that he did, his activities, in a kind of merging with this life of prayer and contemplation and meditation. I will find out when I read more about him whether he maintained this integration. But looking at my own life, when I was excited about living in Los Angeles, and now when I'm less than excited about living here. And though I have been a fairly assiduous churchgoer and person involved in spiritual activities, so one would say, inner activities? Or is that part of my real world daily activities? And in some way, have I been keeping that part of my life, my interior life, my spiritual life, separate from my daily life in a very reflexive way? And unlike Sean Dunn, I worry, I'm not actively worrying right this second, that, that for all my participation, all my efforts at going to retreats or listening to religious talks or going to Mass, that blessed thing that I've talked about where the Eucharist becomes present directly in front of me every time I go to Mass, that I have never really integrated my spiritual life. Maybe it's a feeling that my spiritual life can't penetrate this rather troubled world. And so it's kind of as if it, it hits a wall and it bounces back at me And I feel a sense of futility, if you will, putting my faith out there, not verbally all the time, obviously most of the time, not verbally, because most people don't want to hear about others' faiths. And I've noticed that when they do, as has happened to me recently, they sort of emotionally or intellectually pat you on the head and say, that's nice, you have found something that works for you not that I'm thinking about it at the moment, but it's as if, well, whatever inner spiritual life I have, what use is it in all the craziness that's going on around us, particularly now with COVID-19 and the election? And right now, it's almost as if that outside real world in which I mostly participate is oppressing, is insinuating itself too much into the place of spiritual refreshment. My already restless heart, harking back to Augustine, is actually becoming a bit more restless in the circumstances in which we all find ourselves. The world was already too much with us, as Wordsworth said, and now it's even too much more. If any of you are feeling this kind of stress, perhaps you can offer some ideas of how you're handling it from a spiritual integration point of view, the world, which is so much, and this effort to detach from the world at the same time, using the spiritual tools that are available to us through our faith. I think I know people who I see who are practicing Catholics, who actually seem to thrive in some ways in this type of difficulty even have a kind of spiritual glow i wish i were one of them doing this podcast actually helps because it keeps me focused on the lord it helps me become a little less immersed in the nuttiness of the world and i have been a bit better at praying the rosary i can't say i do it every day i try to do it every day I wish my attention span were better when I did it. One thing I'm certain of is that if I didn't have my faith, notwithstanding its incredibly imperfect form, I may not be detached and spiritually integrated, but one thing I am not, happily, is mad, quite mad over everything going on around us. I am a little scared because I see indications of great anger among people in the world people close and people far who seem to be very angry in a way that i've never seen ever in my life not to say that such things have not happened in history but they haven't happened quite the way i'm seeing them now in my lifetime so dunn's expression experience of a cohesion at that time when he was in that church between his outer life and his inner life, I don't know that I've ever experienced. And right now it's even harder to experience. Whether he was able to maintain it, we'll have to find out when we read his spiritual biography, autobiography. It's a cooler evening today as I record this episode of the podcast. And I'm thinking that maybe after dinner, I'll go back out onto my terrace which is always a place of some calm and pull out that rosary and maybe stop trying so hard to do something I can't do on my own anyway and just stick with God even in my confusion and let him work on me in his way. I'm reminded of something that I've seen a quote in novelty stores on pillows on little magnets for your refrigerator and it's this phrase which I don't know or think has a religious aspect and it's this and it seems to apply and it is nonetheless she persisted she persisted in her pursuit of god even when she could not feel him outside or inside i hope you have not found this episode too gloomy but as i am ordinary i'm guessing that there are lots of people who have these exact feelings or some version of them and that's part of the reason for this podcast that we tussle with it together we are together part of the church militant striving against the dark forces of the devil battling spiritually so that one day we will join the church triumphant so i guess i will close this particular episode with the prayer of saint michael Holy Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power thrust into hell, Satan and all the other evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of souls. May you and I persist with our Lord's grace. Talk to you next week on Ordinary... Old Catholic me.